Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Threat Talk. I'm your host, Bob Hanswin, and today's episode is entitled Discovering Visibility You Didn't Know You Had or Even Needed. Now, a couple of months ago, we aired a two-part series about leveraging network visibility to improve incident investigation and threat response that we called Do You Know Who or What Is On Your Network? And with the help of an Infoblox guru on core network services, Bob Rose, we talked about the needs and methods for identifying devices on the network, like laptops and servers, mobile IoT devices, and so forth, and the value in gathering a great deal of data beyond just the obvious, this device is at this IP address. So with the right tools, such as IP address management, this data could then be collected and stored into a single repository for easy access by analysts or others um, with some context around uh, security events to help them prioritize uh, incidents and more quickly determine what the effective response might be. Now, those episodes, however, dealt with devices most commonly associated with cyber attacks and on the investigation and response side of the network visibility story. So Mr. Rose agreed to return again to help us to fill in gaps in that discussion. Thank you for rejoining us yet again, Bob. Hey, Bob. Thanks so much. It's always great to be here. Now, as we discussed the value of network visibility in those early episodes, we used a lot of examples about end-user laptops, mobile devices, IoT, like I mentioned before, Um, but mainly because those are the things that we see in the headlines. Those are the things that people tend to be, you know, it's top of mind. It's the first thing they think about. Um, And so I wanted to go to the less talked about, but just as equally important kinds of devices that we kind of skipped over in those discussions Um, and the parts of the network that just don't get IP addresses. Um, So, you know, I think these are, you know, just as important, if not more important, since they don't seem to get as much attention by the security team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and Bob, I think one of the key things that uh, perhaps we might want to explore today a little bit is how discovery and detection and visibility can really help with vulnerability protection. And, um, you know, there's a plethora of tools out there. And of course, everyone is well aware of that. Uh, But there are some specifically that help enforce network compliance standards. And that's certainly a key business driver for many organizations today. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's so many, there's so many layers to, to the network. Um, you know, it, it's something that as long as it works, we're okay with it. And, you know, as a user, um, but when it breaks, there are so many aspects that can be broken. Um, and that also means that they can be taken advantage of. If they can be broken uh, by accident, they can definitely be broken and abused uh, intentionally, which is what uh, we see with cyber criminals, both, you know, we, again, the headlines tend to be about um, stealing data and, and uh, or doing uh, ransomware encryptions, but sometimes disruption is is their goal in itself. So I wanted to let's go talk about some other things. For example, um, SD WAN. You know, just I mean, these are massive networks. They're not. You know, this is the original cloud, so to speak. Uh, everybody's talking about cloud apps and cloud. The network infrastructure went cloud a long time ago. So in order to know, you know, where I've got a security event and I want to know uh, where that device is, you know, is it in my office? Is it remote? Um, and, you know, what what role does the SD-WAN uh, play and what kind of information can we get on that? Yeah, great question. Um, and, and also talking about SDN as, as well, you know, um, the ability for a platform to have the ability 
the capability to have network integrations to go out and discover SDNs like Cisco ACI or SD-WANs like Meraki or Viptela certainly can enhance and unify the hybrid IPAM visibility, especially for finding assets that are associated with branches of remote offices. And in the last 19 months, we've seen that a lot, um, uh, especially with regard to the, the pandemic. Um, and you know, with today's tools, you can quickly search for IP addresses, you can find device names, um, what types they are, what vendors their models or versions, and even chassis serial numbers um, for greater forensic insight. So if you're discovering that, it helps to know where those things are. And, and Bob, really it enables you to see the devices and the end hosts you mentioned a few minutes ago, what is it, you know, where is it, when did it get there, the, that kind of information. And not only that, but to detect and remediate any rogue or compromised assets and then be able to gain those efficiencies by discovering and, and uh, reconciling um, networks to yeah. any IPAM conflicts. Yeah, I, I, I remember, um, of course, I started out as a developer and engineer for years and architect. And I remember a lot of people um, in their cube, they needed to set up something. So they just bring in their own, you know, four port <laughs> switch from home. And, um, you know, I remember uh, one that actually even brought in their own router because they needed to test something, but they couldn't do the test on the corporate network. They needed access, a direct access to the internet. And they didn't ask for permission or anything. They just brought their regular home router in. They called up, you know, the local service provider and got their access. And without knowing it, the whole corporate network actually had this back door that nobody even knew about mm -hmm. um, because they, uh, you know, they they uh, couldn't see the device. They weren't even aware it had been plugged in. And I imagine there's also update issues when, you know, they've got firmware they need to maintain on them and stuff like that. And that's some of the other information that uh, I imagine we can collect here. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's an excellent example that you just brought up. Um, not sure how much that's happening today, but, you know, from the perspective of compliance and especially mm -hmm. with audit and enforcement of configuration standards that help prevent security exposures like that, you know, that that's really critical. Um, many companies have their own policies and compliance um, uh, established, but it's important to, to have the ability to see this. And, and one way to do that is to have access to ad hoc reports or standardized reports that you get kind of on a regular basis. So you can see an asset, you can see something that's changed. Or if one of those routers that somebody just happened to put on the network is, is there and, and is it compliant? Most likely it won't be. Um, or perhaps what's the health? Um, there's other details as well so that you can really be better informed about really what's happening on your network. Yeah, because, um, you know, just my example on the switches, you know, uh, people tend to think of a switch as, as a relatively dumb device, doesn't do a whole lot. Um, it's important that it does what it does, but we don't think of them uh, as being smart switches yet in a corporate environment, they tend to be smart switches. They have a lot of, of capability that um, you don't realize, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility and mm -hmm. these things can be abused. So just, uh, you know, switches and knowing which ports, you've mentioned that in one of our earlier calls about, you know, being able to tell that, you know, this particular 
person or device is connected to this particular port on this particular switch, mm-hmm. um, you know, and getting that to wired or wireless uh, endpoints. Um, wh- what else can you see when it comes to looking at what a switch has? And, um, and then we'll take a look at how that connects to security. Yeah, well, um, and again, this is, you know, your point is well taken. It's just kind of a, a, a dumb device, right? But that to have discover visibility of a switch port is so important, um, especially in being able to track free and available and unused ports. But more importantly, those that are connected, as you mentioned, to wired or wired, uh, wireless end hosts. Um, you know, when you look at that, you can see basic things like the IP and MAC addresses, the, the admin and operation status, if they're up and down, um, the switch port dis- description. You can also see VLAN configurations, um, their IDs, their names, um, the, the data VLANs and voice VLANs beginning and the ending of those ranges sites um, along with, you know, extensible attributes or metadata or meta tags that are associated with switches and ports. And uh, that's really important. You were mentioning about us from a security perspective, because if you're talking security and compliance, being able to discover and track um, that really enables you to identify if there's a rogue or compromised endpoint so you can take immediate corrective action. Um, for example, um, which switch port or wireless access point is a rogue or compromised end host attached to? And where has it been uh, for any period of time? Um, you, you need to know that. Or perhaps does a discovered asset require quarantine? Um, which might be something that's that's pretty important, or perhaps which unmanaged assets were discovered that we didn't know about. T-Mobile, uh, I think we talked on a previous um, uh, podcast, um, they found out about that in a very hard way. Um, so obviously, the sooner you're able to detect a vulnerability, you can remediate to remove any kind of risks or exposures. Well, and there's certain, you know, a lot of the ways that an organization will use VLANs is they will put certain, you know, divisions of the company on their own VLAN. Um, I worked with a company that uh, uh, is one of the big, big global organizations that ship packages all over the world. And they have huge data entry uh, departments where um, my wife actually even worked in one one Christmas when we were young and starting out and trying to earn a little extra money. And, and she just showed up and for eight hours a day, she was on this device just taking all these pieces of paper that people signed and, and came in and entering them into the computer. But they were on a separate VLAN. And those devices were so at risk because she had her eight-hour shift. And when she left, Another person came and sat at the exact same desk, used the exact same login, and just took over from them. It was a 24-hour station, um, and there were over a 1,000 of them in this one building, and they had several buildings around uh, the world. So, you know, there's there's organizations that they have sections of their organization that need to be on a VLAN. And I imagine that, you know, another security risk is when these devices were getting more mobile, all of a sudden it shows up on a different VLAN. Um, or in a security situation, I think I would want to know that, uh, hey, one of my automatic responses, automation is, is becoming a bigger thing. Um, and so when I see a certain kind of an event, maybe I don't want to kick that person off because they're an executive or something and just shut them down. But I might move them to their operation. It's now on, a, on another VLAN. So I've kind of degraded the chance of them, the, their infection 
spreading laterally by moving them to a VLAN with less visibility, but still allows them to work. There's a lot of different plays that a VLAN comes into. And if I was doing uh, the analyst job, I think I'd want to know when this occurred, where was that person? Uh, hey, we saw an incident that, you know, 30 minutes ago should have put them on a different VLAN. Why were they not moved? Um, then you find out that they threw a fit and somebody manually went and put them back on the main network because they threw a fit. Um, I'm actually remembering a specific incident, by the way, as I'm relating this story. <laughs> and um, so the, they didn't even question it. Guy with power says, I want to be back and have all my power back. And so they gave him his power back. And about 30 minutes later, uh, bad things started happening. We're just going to leave it at that. Bad things started happening. <laughs> Yeah, that that's uh, that's an interesting anecdote, you know. Um, and as we're talking about VLAN, you know, VLAN visibility obviously gives you better control, better data management uh, insight. Uh, you can you can look and see exactly what's going on. You can you can filter on names. You can look at IDs to see exactly who it is. Um, what about start and stop ranges? You can see exactly that information sites and 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 more. Um, and being able to view VLANs within a VLAN range and improve control, you can even use APIs. There, there are many APIs uh, available um, these days, even um, from the standpoint of, of getting a next available VLAN and getting that combined with the next available IP address. And if that's going on, you certainly want to have visibility to see uh, what's happening across your environment. Now, the one last thing on this issue of, of tracking and knowing about things that are not normally just tracked by IP addresses, because a lot of our earlier uh, discussions were, again, all about IP address-based devices, um, whether they be mobile or IoT or just your typical computer laptop. Um, but there's also, and this is actually, I guess, this is one of InfoBlox's uh, you know, core competencies is uh, for over 20 years, DNS and DHCP, um, in addition to the IPAM, the DNS and D DHCP, those objects and that, that information, um, you know, we need to, I mean, there's the transactional stuff, but there's also discovery. And that's part of this topic and how this varies and differs from what we talked about a couple of months ago. We're talking about the ability to do some discovery um, which becomes more important when you get into really complex multi-vendor kind of deployments, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just any discovery, it's auto discovery. Um, you know, everybody's dealing with uh, limited resources these days. And, um, you know, there's so many things coming onto the network at all various times on and off. And, and so having auto discovery really helps ensure that you know you know, what is part of your infrastructure and, and infrastructures are becoming, as you mentioned, even more complex. There's multiple vendors, there's multiple operating systems. And so what's really critical, not only that it, it's, it's automated, but it's agnostic so that it doesn't matter which vendor um, your discovery is going to give you the visibility and enable uh, conversion of IPN network, IP networks and addresses into those managed objects. And once you discover it and you can convert that to a managed object, now you have a whole lot more um, capability. In fact, discovery is much more than just a simple ping sweep. You can get robust information on DNS, DHCP, host objects, um, devices, 
both physical virtual models, OS um, versions, interfaces. There's just a ton of information that's out there. And especially uh, working with objects, you, you have that capability. And in addition, you can receive up to the minute information on aspects like routers and subnets and VLANs and all sorts of other things. So anytime a new device attaches to the network, um, it can be discovered so you can begin collecting information on that. Well, I wanted to chime in there because you particularly mentioned virtual. You've mentioned this on previous calls, but I want to also dig into this because we're talking about, you know, IT now, they now put a lot of their stuff in like Amazon, you know, so it's mm -hmm. all in the cloud and it's a virtual machine, not on their network, not on their hardware. And yet this discovery can pull that kind of information in. So even though it's not in your facility, um, and you may not actually know where it really is, but you can still discover it and get that kind of uh, information on on VM instances, no matter where they are. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one of the trends that we're seeing, there's still a section of the market, of course, that's interested in, in having on-prem hardware. Um, but more and more, what we're seeing is virtualization. There's just so many advantages for virtualization. And... Um, you know, companies are, are kind of trending in that direction. They've been doing it actually for quite a long time, uh, but to be able to have discovery on virtualized um, machines is is part of what we're talking about. And, and it's not only just being able to determine, you know, layer two physical or layer three logical networks devices, but to more importantly, I think Bob is to understand how these complex components uh, actually are connected on the network. Because if you understand how they're actually connected, it helps you manage the changes that go on, the configurations as well, both for traditional networks and as you mentioned, virtualized networks using you know, uh, technologies like VRF, virtual routing and forwarding, which allows multiple routing tables and multiple forwarding instances on the same router and and we're seeing more of that and i think that that's a uh, a key thing and in addition um to the device visibility you can also detect end hosts and connected to physical switches and you can get no both a current view but you can also get a historical view as well and and that becomes really important especially if you're doing forensic uh investigation Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, to, particularly in today's world where um, I still think it's, you know, not the the norm, but it's common enough that, you know, we call it common that you're going to find out about your your breach that happened two, three months ago. Um, you know, and we've, we we just had um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on who it was that just found out that. They, they originally said, well, it looks like it happened last November, and then it was a year ago, and now they realize that it's been in for two years. It's been on their system. And to your point about knowing how things are connected, too many security products just give you the information about this endpoint and this endpoint and this server. Those are the three things. But how did it get between them? How are they connected? Because that's when you start realizing that in order for it to get from point A to point B, it had to compromise something else because these threats also, they will compromise devices, do what they need to do with it. Then they clean up after themselves. 
and then move on. And we've even seen some that they were able to take advantage of a device because the firmware hadn't been properly updated. They took advantage of vulnerability. And before they moved on, they updated the firmware. <laughs> so you couldn't, you know, if you weren't tracking your firmware revisions, you wouldn't have known that um, because then you'd be scratching your head. Hold it. We didn't do a you know, if we did do updates, that was on a weekend when nobody was here, you know, kind of a thing. So you, I mean, there's so many parts to this that, yeah, a lot of small, medium companies, they are lucky if all they can do is just identify all the endpoints that might be compromised, get them off the network, get them cleaned up and get them back into production with minimal impact on the organization. But most uh, organizations and more and more they need to know how it happened. What did it do while it was here? Those questions require all of this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to mention, too, as you were saying that is, you know, if you have the ability um, to sync up what's going on, um, both from a discovery perspective, but pull that into an authoritative database. Right. And so now you can see everything and it also picks up any extensible attributes or meta tags that have been added by uh, the IT team, it really becomes so much more robust and gives you almost so much more insight. And it's just more than just connecting and collecting information. It's it, like you mentioned, it's, it's about how do you understand how the network constructs um, fit together so you can see a topology view, visualize how those devices are connected, and then uh, drill down to see how specific uh, devices are are operating on your network, and I think you know it's it's more than just a single point. It's it's being able to see the whole picture, and I think that that's a huge advantage, especially as you're trying to um, root out security vulnerabilities. Well, we're in the latter half of this broadcast, and uh, I don't want to force you to have to come back to fill in more gaps. So a couple other things I had on my notes that I want to make sure we talk about. One, you've actually been uh, referring to it here about having all of this stuff in one place in an IPAM database, um, you know, that's, that can support all that extensible data. That's, that's invaluable. But um, another thing that I thought was important about the, the, the stuff that you work on is your information, you can share that. You you have open APIs so that you can share that with any other kind of solution. So whether it's a, a security solution that might need that information for context, you know, like a threat hunting tool or something like a SIM or even SOAR for automation where you may not want to automate just based on this event happened. Let's do that. But you might want more context before you decide, mm -hmm. should we do that? That event happened. It happened in this pool of of just dumb data entry systems, we can interrupt them while we do this procedure, but we wouldn't do it for an exec. So you can start gathering all this information and have other tools become more efficient, but you're putting it in one central repository that everybody can then access. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly correct. And it's not only um, just having a robust, restful API, but there are templated integrations as well that are right off the shelf that, you know, um, an organization can get and quickly stand up, um, you know, uh, integrations with existing tools. Um, so, so that certainly is something to keep in mind is, does an organization have a templated solution that you can leverage without necessarily having to use all the documentation and write up 
um, a new API to do that work. And, and so we, you know, certainly uh, look for opportunities like that as well. But Bob, you know, there are other tools that are out there too, um, tools that help advise you on what's going on. Uh, many organizations keep track of, of you know, spread by spreadsheet, um, uh, you know, end of life and end of service of different types of devices. And the question becomes, how do you eliminate device vulnerabilities with an automated security and lifecycle management solution, one that can certainly integrate with you know, DNS, DHCP, IPAM, and automatically discover uh, device vulnerabilities quickly and easily, because it certainly saves time and effort. And, and anybody that's had to do this, you know, eliminates all the tedium, all of the manual processes of collecting and aggregating RSS feeds and emails and cross-tabulating those vulnerabilities across a multiple um, multitude of of device models and OS versions to ensure that your network is really secure and up to date. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, out of date uh, things that are missing patches. We talk about vulnerability, but you flat out have a lot of devices that are on your network that they may no longer even be supported. They don't have the latest patches because there aren't any patches for them. And um, you know, I'm used to a lot of companies, they'll track this kind of thing in a spreadsheet, but uh, with today's organizations and the number of devices that they have to manage, even with going to the cloud, they still tend to have more devices. There was one organization I was talking to that they said that almost their entire data center is now in the cloud, but with IoT and now with they've got, you know, computer managed lights, heating, all the, you know, every key badge on every door, every one of those is a device. Their network still has almost 10 times as many devices. I think he said eight times as many devices as he was managing only 10 years ago. And they've already moved all their servers and everything to the cloud. It's it's just a nightmare to manage. And those spreadsheets don't work anymore. Well, that's true. And and also there's product security incident response team notifications. There are P-certs, um, which folks are, I'm sure, aware of. Those notifications help you find devices and applicable security bulletin vulnerabilities um, for real-time policy violation alerting. You got to have that. that. And, and to incorporate that from an automated perspective, it's awesome. But But there's also... Um, common vulnerabilities and exposure reports, CVEs that can help find devices and applicable vulnerabilities and expo exposures as well to help you reduce security risk and compliance issues. Yeah, this is where the, the security function comes in, because if you're pulling that together, it kind of goes to my earlier point. If it's all in one place, this now can be shared with like automation tools or with just anything. It's pretty straightforward that, hey, this device is out of compliance let's have our vulnerability tool do the update. Let's have, um, there is no update because it's out of uh, support period. Let's get a, a ticket put into service now. There are so many things that you can have automated when this information is in a database and not a spreadsheet. And it just frees up people. It just frees up people to go do so many other things by eliminating the manual part. Yeah, and especially, you know, the automation portion of that more and more becoming automated, um, having outdated obsolete network components on and and be, can you imagine if you're getting a report on an ongoing basis, uh, it, it's really in the area of lifecycle management, you, it's, it's end of support, and now you've got something on your network that's not being patched anymore, that's certainly a vulnerability you want to be aware of. And can you imagine if you're having to manually 
manage and, and track that and take remediative action on it, it becomes really difficult. Um, so if you can just automate that whole process, um, it becomes preventative, but it also helps you stay uh, aligned again with exactly what's going on on your network. Yeah. Um, and this is a great second check. There's, um, I want to kind of wrap this up with the last point that I wanted to highlight, and that is on discovery, which is what we've been talking about today. In the past, we've simply been talking about all the information that you can collect, but not so much about how. Um, the Sands Institute um, has done a number of, of papers in this area, and they recommend that you, if you want to really know what's on your network, you need to have two methods of doing it. Um, one is like DHCP, uh, where anything that connects and asks for an IP address, you should identify it immediately so you know what's on your network and you can do any validation, you know, zero trust. Um, but then there's the discovery piece, which, like you said, it's not just a ping or scheduled. Um, you know, there, there are several ways that you can just go out and discover the things that might have been missed before. Because anybody who's been in networking long knows that everything's supposed to work a certain way. And it never really does. There's always going to be a few things to get missed. Um, even uh, vulnerability patches, removing old software. I remember just doing that where I'm using the tool in the product that says remove this product. And I issue it and a thousand PCs are supposed to be uninstalled. And a little bit later on, we discovered about 20 some odd. It's still there, even though the install or the uninstall was run properly patches, they don't always work. So having this is another layer of validation, if nothing else, on top of that. But then since a lot of tools don't do the automated uh, patching, you have to do it yourself. And this is a great foundation for it. So um, yeah, we, we like to say technology almost always works, right? <laughs> yeah, almost always works. It takes a human to screw things up. It takes technology to do it faster. <laughs> That's my wife's favorite one. So unfortunately, um, actually, fortunately, we covered everything we planned the first time, Bob. This is a record, but Good it job. is time for us to uh, to to leave. Um, and uh, so I want to thank you for joining us today. Well, and Bob, thank you for calling me back as well. And and uh, just as a reminder for our listeners, um, you can access our pre-recorded webinar uh, through the link uh, Infoblocks Reporting Webinar Visibility for Hybrid Networking and Security Results. And uh, that's a, a really good overview. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, uh, take a look. And uh, in the meantime, thank you again, Bob, for inviting me. Always great to uh, join you on these podcasts. Thanks again. It's always fun, and I enjoy listening and learning new things from you every time. Even though we prepare for these sessions, when we get on here, you always drop a couple more gems I wasn't aware of. So I wanted to thank you, and I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for your time. And ask you to join us next time as we continue our ongoing efforts to help you stay on top of cybersecurity and ahead of cyber risks on Threat Talk. 